This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1229, which is entitled Love, Death and Roberts. <laughs> Our podcast title is Pod Metal. And I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And thank you to Kick Like a Girl. That was just on before us. I'll be very sad to see that show leave us, as I will be very sad to see the AFLW season end. Which you've just explained to me. I have. Rob and I have just had an AFL conversation and it was quite beautiful. <laughs> I, <laughs> I dropped some knowledge on him. But uh, yes, uh, AFLW rounding out and AFL um, the men's season is just starting and we did see a famous familiar face at one of the games in round one. Mm, Mr Hemsworth. Exactly and uh, go doggies good win. He was standing outside of the Marvel shop and there was like or maybe not the shop but uh, there there was an actual giant Thor's hammer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean I know all this is run by the strings of PR and cross promotion but I'm still about it and I'm definitely still about uh, a win for the Western Bulldogs. Hmm. Okay, uh, Night Terrace. Speaking of wins, mm. that was the uh, uh, the podcast uh, sci-fi audio series. Mm-hmm. Uh, we interviewed the we creators, Ben McKenzie and John Richards, and um, it's now going to be broadcast on BBC Radio. Nice. So they've crossed the big pond. Congrats, guys. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. That had some great people in it. The, uh, in their cast, like Toby Truslove from uh, Ms. Fisher and Utopia and um, other things. Adam Richard, of course, from Outland and worked on Outland and Spicks and Specs. Uh, they had Colette Mann from Neighbours. Nice. <laughs> and Prisoner, for that matter. Uh, and uh, Jane Badler from V. <laughs> Lawrence Lung, um, unbelievable. Stephen Gates from Tripod and John Clark as nice. well. And as cameos from uh, Louise Jamison, who played Doctor Who's Leela, and Nicholas Briggs, who's the voice of the Daleks forever. <laughs> it's been Daleks for so long. So, yeah, um, awesome achievement that they're now on the BBC. Pretty good on the ABC. Sort of no, absolutely. I think, uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's great. Uh, okay, now... Monster hunting season will finally close after a phenomenal 15 seasons on the set of the US American television series Supernatural. Yes. Gosh, so long running. You've got to give it points for that. Mm. Um, that is some longevity. I have to say I've never watched it. Not one. No, not one. I know the general premise. There's a car involved. They're brothers. Yes. There's the, supernatural the, stuff. The, the, the car is the third brother, pretty much. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so, is it so, sentient? I'll watch it. I'll watch it eventually. Actually, no there are me. times when it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Zero G congratulates the little horror dramedy series that could and did for a remarkable 15-year run. Uh, it's an enduring genre credit to all concerned. And I'm not quite sure how the fictional occult world is going to cope without the brothers Winchester thinning the ranks of the long-legged ghoulies and things that go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, well, Boom Studios has picked up the Buffy the Vampire Slayer license from Dark Horse and has rebooted The Chosen One. Mm-hmm. Scooby gang and all. I'm not about that. 
into the 21st century in comic book form. After more than a decade of the continuation of the Slayerverse and Angel spin-off titles, which functioned as continued seasons of the original seven seasons of the television show, writer on the book is Geordie Belair, who's uh, known more for her, her colourist uh, work hmm. for DC, Marvel, Valiant and Image, uh, but also as a writer. And uh, she actually um, coloured uh, Hawkeye at one stage. Nice. Possibly not in that... Um, Red purple suit. <laughs> <laughs> there was a really lovely uh, edition of Hawkeyes that maybe she worked on, though. Mm. And it's illustrated by Dan Mora, who's worked on Hulk, DC meets Hanna-Barbera, hmm. Hexed, and did covers for Batgirl, Captain Marvel, The Flash, and so many other things. Yeah. The artwork actually is really solid in that. Nice. So is the writing. Uh, Joss Whedon has overseen the creation of it. Okay. Even though he's um, in hypothetically executive producing a reboot Buffy series mm. and also doing that other uh, Victorian um, supernatural series he's doing. Yeah. I Sometimes good things should just be left. It's hard to... You can't keep a good slayer in the grave, basically. Well, true. She'll claw her way back out. But so, will she be the same? Well, I've read the first three um, issues. Uh, there are changes. It's set now. Mm. Uh, so mobile phones and social media do feature more. I guess that presents an interesting challenge, which I respect. That's what they're trying. They're trying to do Buffy for now. And there's a part of me that thinks maybe you should. It doesn't need to be for now. But then I also think about something like Star Trek. Yeah. And that kind of is the argument where someone could have argued that it should have stayed that original. But then we wouldn't have had all these wonderful other. Yeah. So. So we'll see how they. I'm torn. Really, it depends on the quality. Yeah. If it's, oh, if absolutely. It's, if it's rubbish, then what do we need it for? Yeah. You know, I mean, some, in ca- some cases, reboots have worked really well, like uh, Battlestar Galactic, the original, which mm. basically was rubbish. Yeah. Uh, and, and the new, and you know, new Battlestar Galactica, which was great. Yeah. You know, so nuanced and awesome and so much about the future of AI. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, as I said, I've read three issues of the new Buffy comic. Um, a few things I've picked up along the way. Uh, Drusilla and Spike come in very early mm-hmm. with okay. um, Drew taking the place of the master as a, as a big bad or maybe a, a false big bad. Mm-hmm. And that kind of works. Um, Xander seems to be already tooled up as a part-time builder's labourer as well as still being in school. Well, they're giving him a few more career opportunities in the original, I guess. And they actually showed him when he's geared up fighting, he's carrying a shovel <laughs> and he's in, still in his work gear. And it reminded me of the shoveler from the mystery men yeah right <laughs> so there's a few in jokes in there i actually found it um quite watch uh, quite readable mm. um i'm not going to pull the plug on it on my pull list of comics yet because mm. uh, i want to see how far they develop it but i really Fair like enough. the artwork it's very spot on for the original characters yeah um and the dialogue is there but let's face it it's not joss whedon writing it so it's never going to be quite yeah, it's strange yeah. when you think about it. It's, sim- it's the same core people, characters, but different writing, and then it becomes a bit blurred for me. Their adventures are different, yeah. Let's anyway, plug it's, on. It's my duty to, to look at it. <laughs> uh, and, in fact, one of the um, plot lines uh, revolves around Buffy losing her phone with a contacts list in it and everything, and, and, and one of the vampires getting a hold of it. Oh. So, oh and there's a, there's a really cute idea... Uh, um, one of the vampires uh, activates uh, 
a, a magic uh, artifact that they shouldn't do and it, it it brings back to life this ancient uh, giant bat yeah whose purpose in life is to kill vampires i love that so it's a bit of an own, own goal Interesting. there okay well buffy encounters this mm. and at first she wants to just slay 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 and then it talks to her yeah and says, what are you doing? Why did you hurt me, Slayer? I, I am your, your friend and I'm... Like your familiar, your giant, scary familiar. No, it's her Pegasus. Oh, God. <laughs> and she, and she, the look on her face when she realises that, it's my, you're my Pegasus? <gasps> so I love that. Anyway, uh, worth a shot. Maybe, okay. you know, if, you, if you're a really keen Buffy fan from the old days, you might just go, no, mm. I just can't go there. Yeah. Um, I had a couple of things I wanted to quickly mention. Sure, go for it. Um, I don't know if we talked about this on air yet. I don't think we have, but I actually blitzed through all of Russian Doll. Oh, yeah. After we had, I, we've already talked about it on the show, so I'll just make it brief, but I loved it. Yep. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was very clever. And there was also a lot of interesting kind of metaphors in there about, I looked up a little after it, kind of allegories about that area of New York and gentrification and what the characters represent. Yeah. And the loops being this type of um, kind of parallel to addiction. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, Just so kind I've of watched, that repetitive behaviour. I've watched it all too. I hadn't caught the addiction thing. That is a good I point. I hadn't either, but it was pointed out by one of the creators and I thought that was very interesting. And um, I know the lead actress, she struggled with addiction in the past. That kind oh. of made a bit of sense. So, yeah, I thought definitely I'm with you. I really enjoyed that. Um, and I, I still cannot see the characters. Uh, uh, I see the character as a young version of Lillian from... Um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same accent. <laughs> yeah. Just a little more dottier. Um, <laughs> the other thing was I also went and saw The Favourite, um, oh, yeah. which we had done, and I quite enjoyed that Historical as well. movie? Yes. Yep. So with a twist, um, acting was brilliant. I can definitely see why it was up for nomination at the Oscars and why Olivia Colman won. Um, and I thought it was really fantastic and a little odd, but in a really good, unsettling way. So. All right. And it was gutsy and it was very, like... Yeah, I thought I'd definitely recommend that one. Uh, and the last tidbit I wanted to bring up was we also covered Carmen Sandiego on the show. Yes. And have you been on Google Earth lately? I just finished watching the last episode of oh, the first season. Oh, did you? Nice. But, but no, I have not been on Google Earth. Well, you should because they've incorporated a Catch Carmen Sandiego game. Oh. Uh, I haven't really played it yet, but I clicked through and it's got some of the old school kind of you know, 8-bit, 64-bit graphics, um, and it's the same premise where you follow clues to find her in different parts of the world. I thought that was very cool. So I'm going to check that out. I'm imagining it's probably just something very simple that they've kind of um, incorporated into the Google Earth functionality. But um, if you enjoyed that... I think definitely check that out. So we can actually find out where in the yeah. world is Carmen Sandiego. And I love that. It kind of ties back to its original roots, um, but it makes so much sense to do it on Google Earth. So It's a very educational show. Agree. Good work, guys. <laughs> so those are kind of the little tidbits I wanted to drop what I've been up to. Oh, good. Excellent. Um, Luminous and Unstoppable is a track I would like to play next. Now, this is uh, one that Alec, Alexander Dmitrijevic did for um well it ended up on the captain marvel trailer which is to say the uh, carol danvers one yes and um i liked it a lot as trailer music and i thought it deserved a bit of a spin on its own great this is kim stanley robinson author of red mars green mars and blue mars you're listening to zero g on three triple r 
Yeah. There we have Alex Kandar. <laughs> I said that funny, didn't I? Alec- Alexander <laughs> Dmitrievich with Luminous and Unstoppable, the music from the Captain Marvel trailer. I like that. Yeah, it looks like he's done a bit of trailer um, music mm-hmm. and it's sort of, it's usually done for similar fare. Mm-hmm. He did one for Legion, Angels and Demons, Wolverine, uh, X-Men Originals Wolverine movie, Knowing, Pirates of the Caribbean, Hulk, Underworld, all uh, that stuff. All so. that stuff. Yeah. Professional trailer person. Yeah. God, yeah. there'd probably be decent money in it if you were in demand and knew what you were doing. We were talking about Buffy just before. There's an episode of Classic Buffy, season four, called The Freshman. I in, know it well. Yeah. In that, uh, it's a, Buffy's sort of attempting to fit into uh, University of Sunnydale. You see Sunnydale. Mm. <laughs> we never knew. <laughs> but there was one of them. We never knew there was a beach there either, but apparently, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's California. It's all beach. And... Um, uh, in that one, uh, Xander makes reference to the Avengers when he says, Avengers assemble. <laughs> so it's actually a line that doesn't get used in Joss Whedon's Avengers movie. Yeah. He sort of cuts it off. But I thought that um, leads us into our next discussion. Of course, Walt Disney has finished its acquisition of certain 21st century Fox assets. Indeed. So, you know, it's now the... Very, very large gorilla in the room of entertainment. <sighs> Gracious. Yeah. Just as well, I, I like Marvel movies. Otherwise, <laughs> I'd be in trouble. Uh, so, yeah, this means that um, The Avengers and uh, <gasps> X-Men and Homer Simpson and Kylo Ren and uh, Avatar I and... really thought about what that Buzz means Lightyear for the X-Men franchise because that was quite famously 20th Century Fox property, which is why it could not be incorporated into any of the MCU stuff. Yeah. And now they're all under the same umbrella. Yeah. God knows how they'll... That's, you know what? That's for another generation to sort out. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Anyway. Yeah. So that's uh, that's all come in, in line. Oh my God. This is like for the mouse houses sort of big. I know. Expanding. Many rooms now. Uh, and anyway, this um, segues into the news that James Gunn has been rehired to direct Guardians of Galaxy 3. Exactly. Yes. Uh, after he's finished Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> is he uh, on that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He's sort of took his toys, his pencil case, and went off to DC and uh, and uh, putting that one together. I think he'd actually make a decent um, fist of that uh, Suicide Squad I mean, movie. Yeah, at least they're not just throwing what's-his-face at it again. Oh, um, Zach. Yeah, Zach, yeah. Zach, uh, I forgot his name. Yeah. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you know the one, Snyder. Snyder, Snyder, yeah. yes. Uh, and they've also, which is good news, I think, uh, I... I um, think it's his franchise and he knows how to do it. And yeah, I agree. And, and and all the actors approve. Of course, there is a controversy that had him sentenced or invited in the first place. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a bigger conversation Yeah, we that we will stray from. I think we'll just leave that over there. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we've already talked about that. We did when it happened. <laughs> when it happened. Anyway, <laughs> so. uh, they've also Marvel has also greenlit a Shang Chi movie. Ah. Uh, now Shang Chi is master of kung fu, and this is one of those. Um, as with Iron Fist, uh, this is one of those older uh, properties that Marvel's got. Um, and here's the thing about that: this was uh, introduced back in 1973. But it wasn't introduced in the same way as Iron Fist was, so it's no um, great white saviour complex. So it actually is an Asian playing (gasps) Shang-Chi. And they're intending to really 
um, essentially kind of um, capture the same edgy uh, uh, cultural vibe uh, that Black Panther did. Mm. So they've hired um, uh, Chinese-American writer Dave uh, Callahan, who's going to uh, pen the script. He right. has worked before on uh, um, Wonder Woman 1984 uh, and did the script for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. So this guy knows his superhero Great. chops, karate chops, kung fu chops in this case. Sorry, different martial art there. Uh, and um, the director is uh, Destin Daniel Creton. Creton, sorry. Uh, uh, he has been um, uh, going to do another film called Short Term 12, which was starring oh, Brie Larson. Yeah. Hmm. That's actually he's that's already done stream, that. Yeah, that's streaming on Netflix. I'm pretty sure. Yep, he's working with uh, Michael B. Jordan on a movie about <laughs> a civil rights defense attorney at the moment. So he's got. Quite I am a few here credits. for anything Michael B. Jordan is going to do hmm. now or in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and so essentially, uh, they're going to make this um, Shang Chi movie and take it away from um, some of the uh, admittedly racist um, yep. um, origins because it was all to do with like um, uh, offspring of um, Sax Romans, Fu Manchu. Mm. And it was quite complicated sort yeah. of thing, which changed. It's all, you know, we get, get, we'll do that when we, five, <laughs> ten <laughs> years' time. When, when, the, out, time comes, when yeah. the time comes, yeah. Exactly. Uh, also, um, they've uh, commissioned a What If television series mm-hmm. uh, for um, the new Disney streaming service. Uh, what If is um, exactly what it says. It's a series of Marvel comic books that asks the question, what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four? Um, what if um, uh, the Hulk hadn't been irradiated with gamma rays but um, uh, Rick Jones had been instead? Um, which actually does happen <laughs> some later on. So some of the what-ifs aren't as edgy as you mm. might think. So it's one of those alternate universe sure. type things where they can have a lot of fun playing yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a great idea because yeah. they'll be able to sort of kick out and do all sorts of things. I actually don't know if it's um, a live-action show or an animated one yet. I will find that out in due course. <laughs> Uh, and to the Avengers Endgame trailer, which dropped and we have not yes, discussed. Yes, devoured. And we've already had a little bit of a chat about uh, the role of one of my favourites in the trailer. So um, this is the new, we, the new trailer anyway. Yeah, so should we just give a brief overview of kind of... It's still very vague. And but, it, yeah. I think they've also come out, the Russo brothers have said, they're still being deliberately misleading. So I wouldn't take anything in the trailer as... Factual, yeah, because they quite famously in the Infinity War trailer they misled people by you know having Thor has an eye patch, doesn't have an eye patch, Hulk is there, but Hulk wasn't there mm. in Hulk form, etc. So they've admitted that they're doing something with this trailer as well. To be I, I know the one that you mean that that's the one where all they're all running through the forest in yeah. Wakanda and Hulk is charging, in yeah, with yeah. Them. he was there metaphorically, he was. Yeah. But the trailer made it look like he was there physically. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so new Endgame trailer dropped. What are your first thoughts, hot takes? 
Um, well, I love the fact that War Machine has added a new rocket weapon to his armory. Mm. So it's actually Rocket Raccoon that is riding on the back of War Machine. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Holding an even bigger gun than War Machine usually Anytime they weaponize Rocket Raccoon, <laughs> I'm, I'm about it. You might not notice that he's wearing a very familiar blue costume too from the comic books. Okay. Uh, that's Rocket. Yep. Um, I, it's made obvious in this trailer, I think, that Tony does make it back from space. T- mm. Tony Stark. You Maybe, know, yeah. Uh, because we knew he would. Yeah. Because, you know, he's Tony Stark. Besides, he can't die until he reconciles with Captain America. Yeah, I think, I definitely think um, uh, if, you know, the trajectory that I'm assuming it's going to take, they're not just going to. You know, and I'm not saying any inside knowledge there. He can't die. I'm just making a kind of assumptions based know. on what you look. I, I'm, dearly I'm going back. I'm going back to some um, uh, Captain America, uh, Iron Man, Civil War type comics, um, and in one of those, uh, Cap and, um, and Tony have to make the sacrifice play themselves together. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be dramatically almost a certainty but i could be wrong that's what i thought immediately at the end of infinity war when i saw who was left yeah and who wasn't um and also too i mean their friend their relationship their fraught relationship is kind of core to Mm. where the franchise is going and also surrounding um you would have seen their tweets at each other Mm. Um, and of course, Chris Evans has said that he's left the franchise. Exactly. So they've got to round that relationship out, you know, with all due respect. I think. I reckon this is my 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 take on it. I reckon that that, that Stark could could indeed die in this one, um, and that he will and he won't die because the comic books have long had this thing where Tony becomes an AI mm. and therefore becomes the. Uh, the uh, the Friday or the Jarvis, the Jarvis equivalent. for the next uh, Iron Man or Iron Woman because mm. it could be like Iron Heart, okay. uh, Riri Williams in the comics or, or whatever they decide to do. Yeah, you know. I'm I'm interested to see. I'm very 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 keen for Endgame. Oh yes. Um, uh, what else did we see in this? Uh, so Clint Nebula made it back too. Oh yes, yeah. So we saw some Nebula. But you want to talk about Clint? I want to talk about Clint. Let's talk about Clint. I mean, we've got haggard-looking Clint. Clint Barton, Hawkeye. Yes, Hawkeye. We've got haggard-looking Clint. We've got what I and many others on the internet have assumed is Father Clint. Father Clint. Father Clint. Let's say in his fatherly role. That's what I think is happening in that scene. Uh, and then you know we've got to kind of try to figure out. What's a flashback? What's not? Are we talking about what made him go all like rugged again? Uh, Ronan is what, what it is. Oh yes, he go, he turns into a character called Ronan, and he, he's you know he has like more of a edgy haircut. Um, <laughs> he actually, the hairstyles jump back and forth a lot. So there's obviously time jumps, whether or not we're talking time travel or time has passed. Yes, exactly. Uh, and I mean that could also be another play to mislead. Who knows? But what we do know is. In, in the format of when they're assembling, let's say, he is in his Ronan edgy looking mm. form. Mm. But again, who knows? So who is he teaching archery to? I think it's scene. his daughter. You reckon it could, could be his daughter? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's a real fatherly... Yeah. I mean, who thing. knows, though? It could be like, like I, the local child. I know? notice he's got the uh, the target hung up at head height on the tree, so he's teaching her to shoot at the head. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> this no. is a Hawkeye. <laughs> Don't waste time. No. Um, <laughs> There's a question. It could be: Is she going to become Kate Bishop, the new, the female Hawkeye? 
don't know. Who knows? That's a code name sort of thing. I mean, because he's been absent for a short time, so and he retired technically, so it would be nice to know. I think we'll get some form of information. It could be lengthy. It could be brief around what he's been up to. Well, he's um, not dead. He didn't get snapped. No, exactly. But so in that intermediate, inter- in that interim what he was doing. I had a good look at it. I freeze-framed it and it, he seems to have something bulky on his ankle. Well, yeah, there's discussion around that being one of the ankle bracelets bracelets from the fallout of Civil War. Yeah. Uh, he's under farm arrest. Exactly. Yeah. So... But here's another thing. This brings us to the question, did Scott Lang and Clint both lose their families in the snap? Well... Yeah. Oh, I just realised if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War. Well, that's, a that's your fault. That's your it's fault. <laughs> it's, you've had time. You've I don't think time. we can we can pad this stuff out forever yeah. and no eternity. No more is that a spoiler. Yeah, exactly. And if it is, then you deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if you'd seen, possibly if you'd seen Captain Marvel recently, yeah. that might have been spoiled. Or, or Ant-Man and the Wasp. Or, yeah, almost literally, yeah. <laughs> Been had a vague passing interest and looked at media. So obviously Scott got back from the um, uh, the uh, the microverse, the quantum realm. Mm. So you know he's obviously going to figure quite, I would say, largely. But it is Ant Man. Wow, large the, and small yeah. and normal size. Yeah. Uh, other things I noticed: uh, Liberty Island has yes. become the destination for some kind of refugee fleet, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting and um, appropriate. Yep. Uh, we see uh, all of the Avengers, the surviving ones, striding along in um, new suits, yep. which could be something that Tony's whipped up. It could be something that um, is coming out from Hank Pym, particle sort of It tech. has some kind of... Yeah, I would imagine the only reason for them to have new outfits would be that it forms, it performs some kind of special function. Oh, Tony likes to whip up new stuff all the time for but the But it's Avengers. always an improvement. Like, it always has some special... Yeah. Ability within it, so well, there were kind maybe of there are kind of Hank Pym, um, Ant Man costume sort of colours in there from the original one, oh, but all but also Iron Legion one from Age of Ultron. They they were white suits. Maybe they just want to sell more merch. Uh, oh, mm. <laughs> well, yes, because I I did notice that there was we didn't see Tony in his, did we? I can't I don't remember. Think so we saw War Machine in one, and we saw. Natasha, yeah. and we saw... We have to go back and have a look. Ant-Man, I'm pretty sure, and yeah. Clint. But maybe I'm remembering that wrong. I did watch it again last night. But. Uh, and, of course, um, Captain Marvel shows up in it too. Yes. Yeah. We've... In a charming little scene. Yeah. Um, I like that, though. Just a little. We Don't don't give us too much yet. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I like that. And there's that, that, that little knowing smile that she's got again, that yeah. sort of just a hint of it. Uh, I think oh, she's I'm gonna, excited. She's going to do so well. Yeah, this is gonna I'm be, really excited. And it's going to be like four, 14 hours long or something, you know. I'm fine with that. <laughs> Some people that? might not be, but I'm fine with that. Now, I checked the IMDB listing. Oh, sneaky. In it is Tilda Swinton, the ancient one from uh, Doctor Strange. Okay. Frank Grillo, Crossbones. Yeah. Um, oh. Cap's nemesis. And how's this? Ty Simpkins. It's the uh, the kid from Iron Man three. Oh, who'd be who's seventeen years old now, so he's not going to be able to play the kid as such. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So some of this could be flashbacks. Yeah. Easily. E- easily. Very easily. Some of them could be like um, ghost figures. And we see already that they're doing flashback stuff. But some of it could be time travel stuff. Hmm. 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 Mm. So there you go. All of the dusted um, 
characters are listed in the IMDb cast. Dusted. That's such Buffy language. <laughs> yes. But except for ones who actually died um, beforehand, who okay. weren't dusted. Right. Like Tom Hiddleston. Yes. He wasn't snapped. He, well, he was snapped. Well, he was, yeah. <laughs> Old-fashioned way. Yeah, not digitally. <laughs> Idris Elba, yep. who was um, the far-seeing guy. Yes, yep. <laughs> he has a name, Rob. Oh, I no. don't remember it either, no. but he has a name. Uh, and uh, Paul Bettany, The Vision. Yes, Vision. Uh, and Zoe Saldana. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, right. So, so we, I mean, we, and we don't know what form they're going to be appearing in this. Mm. But I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. Heimdall. Heimdall, Idris well Elba, done. Elba, Heimdall. You didn't even look that up. That came no, out of your mind. It did. It came out of the, <laughs> it came out of the soup that is my mind. That's good. I'm, I've I'm just ashamed. Finished, I've just finished reading a compilation of the Warriors 3 um, um, from the Thor comic books. So those names are in there. They're in there. Head, fairly yeah. easy to grip, grab. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm so Gracious. stoked for this. Now, we'll have a, a little track here f- of another Captain Marvel one, I think. And this is uh, I'm All Fired Up. It's by Pina Toprak from the Captain Marvel soundtrack album. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet. Zero, G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Yeah, I'm All Fired Up. Captain Marvel soundtrack, Pina Toprak. Now that one, that one does lift you up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, just looking at their box office for Captain Marvel. Budget was 152 to 175 million. Some doubt. Some, just a nice range there. Yeah, just, you just throw Don't that ask out. questions. And box office so far is uh, about 910 million. So they're heading for that. Nice. That big Good. sort of auto takeoff list. All right. Uh, some of that money's mine too, by the way. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> the Stranger Things has dropped its trailer. Yes. So we were discussing trailers and I said, Rob, you've got to check out the new Stranger Things season three has dropped. I, for one, was very keen to see where they were going to go with this after two, what I feel were two very strong seasons. Um, it's often then that shows might have trouble, especially if they have a very contained or specific focus mm. uh, early on, which... Stranger Things, you could say, had a very lockdown premise. On Netflix, by the way. Is On Netflix, yeah. yeah. So you can check out the trailer. I was absolutely tickled by what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking a little more. They're getting older. They're sort of moving into being teenagers now. It's set in 1985. They all have summer jobs. Yes. So we see, <laughs> and we see some shots of some really classic, wonderful kind of set pieces where it would be great to see action take out. So the local mall and also a fun fair. And it sort of starts out, I'm not going to ruin it for you because I actually think you should go watch it because I think it's an exceptional trailer, especially if you've been hanging out to know what's happening with Stranger Things. Um, We've got all of our key players there, everybody who made it out of season two. We get a little bit of a glimpse of what's happening with Joyce and Hopper, Um, but it's mainly about the kids again. And we also have the introduction of some new characters. Um, So, and again, I just think that it, it does a really good job of, thinking about the tropes that people enjoy seeing and then serving that up. Without spoiling it, the uh, the trope at the start of the trailer, which involves some uh, some things moving <laughs> moving around that uh, should not be moving around under their own power, that's a very strong trope from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and I think there's very clearly still um, 
movie and just general cultural influences that are really kind of behind the whole look oh, and of feel of this series. And I think that's its strength, that it knows that and leans into that and is unashamed at, at kind of what it's serving up in terms of 80s tropes. Carrie Ulls is playing uh, Hawkins' mayor. An almost unrecognisable Carrie Elwes. I call him Ulls. I don't know Carrie what Ulls. the real one is. Uh, yeah, from Princess Bride and he was a murderer in something. Um, uh, and he was the idiot in Twister. Yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he's all grey and I think he's playing a mayor that we're not supposed to like, uh, judging from some snippets, but... There's a character called Robin... Um, Named after my possum. She, I believe she is the actress who is the daughter of Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. She is. Ma- so. Maya Hawke. Yeah. Her name. yeah. Uh, and Jake Boosie is in there Son as of well. Gary. Son of Gary Boosie. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually can't tell the difference between him sometimes. Oh, you could tell. Like before they even said the word Boosie, I was like, that guy is definitely in that family. Is, is Sheriff Hopper, the actor, um, are we going to see him in the, as the new Hellboy before we see Stranger mm, Things? No, I think... Well, Stranger Things comes out on July 4, ni- not 1985, yeah. July 4. Yeah. I'm not sure when Hellboy comes out. This is all set six months after season two finishes, by yeah. the way, too. So just so that you know where Where you're is. at chronologically. Yeah. Year of my birth. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um... And, yeah, I think, you know, they're really kind of trying to show the strength in friendship, but also it, it gives some hints at some, some sad times for our group yeah, of, of yeah. young people. Does uh, that mean you never saw Ghostbusters at the cinema? There's a lot of great things I never <laughs> saw at the cinema. <laughs> Not just Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Breakfast Club came out the year of my birth also. So did you go back? You must have watched that on telly then. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of things I would have seen on TV. Yeah, that's in, that's interesting, isn't it? The, the the way that you go through um, generational change, and you you you'll sudden, you'll see the classic movies of the previous generation on telly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, I think we'll have a, 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 a track here that uh, will give us a bit of a um, an intro for the next bit on zero G, <laughs> and this is uh, well, you'll you'll know as you go along. Hello, this is Charlie Hayes. I've played several characters in various Big Finish audios alongside, probably more famously, my uh, Helena Bonham Carter gasp. <gasps> Do you recognise it? You're listening to Zero G on 3RRR FM. Zero G, you heard it here first. Hmm, theme from Jeremiah, a television series from 2002 to 2004. J. Michael Straczynski of Babylon 5 was the creator of that show. And uh, I think the theme music for that one was Tim Truman. I could be wrong there. But um, that was a post-apocalyptic television series and a damn good one too. Yeah. Uh, And it starred Malcolm Jamal Warner and Luke Perry. Indeed. So we're going to do a little kind of a farewell to Luke Perry. So he... um passed away on the 4th of March this year, so quite recent. Um, And it was sort of pretty big news because he was uh, kind of beloved in his early career, but he's had a steady steady career since then and has also had somewhat of a revival uh, in the minds of sort of younger fans, but also nostalgic for those of us who are older in uh, a role in Riverdale. So... Yeah, so Luke Perry, his real name isn't actually Luke. He was born Coy Luther... Perry the third, um, but his, I guess, performance name is Luke Perry, and yes, he died of a stroke, and he was quite young um, 
I didn't write his age down, but I think he was about 52. And from all accounts, sort of often the tributes come pouring out after this, but he's been much described as someone who's quite down to earth and matter of fact um, and quite warm as well and saw his the business that he was in as, as a, you know, he was very realistic about some of the roles that he took and he said, you know, I just have to feed my family and I've had a, a lot of great roles and I've had roles that are to, you know, make ends meet. So... He'd probably be known most well as Dylan McKay in the series Beverly Hills 90210. He was a classic heartthrob of the 90s. So he was on that show from 1990 to 1995. He left for a short time to pursue other opportunities, but then he did return to reprise his role in 1998 until 2000. Are you familiar with that show at all? Never seen an episode of it. <laughs> I was a big Beverly Hills fan, obviously, because that was also in the time, in my formative years as a teen. Well, no, I wasn't. I was I was, I was, was sort of a teen around that time. Would there um, have been, like, um, post, pull-out posters from magazines absolutely. of Luke Perry? Oh, Rob, Cal- you have no idea. Calendars? Yeah, all kinds of things. So, that you know, you're either a Brandon or you're a Dylan. Brandon was kind of the more nice. He worked for the newspaper. He I know how this works. It's like Supernatural. They have the same thing. Yeah, he had the nice combed hair. Dylan wore like a denim jacket and, you know, <laughs> didn't care what people thought, but was also a good guy. So... Did he have stubble? No, they no. were all very clean-faced. Okay. <laughs> At least, I mean, because it starts in high school and I also, when I came to it, obviously I was, a, by the time I was that age to watch it, they were a bit older. Um, like I wasn't watching it when I was five. So... Most recently, he's probably um, he's had sort of a, a newfound fan base because he plays Fred Andrews, Archie Andrews' father, in the show Riverdale, which is on in the US. It's on in the, the CW, but it plays on Netflix here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's kind of had uh, there's a lot of new fans to that show, and he play and his character in it is wonderful. He's just a great dad quality. He hooks up with all the other dads and they just do cool dad things on the show (laughs) as the show gets more and more insane by the way yeah um another one of his roles which is overlapping interest to us is he was obviously in the buffy the vampire slayer original movie yes he was so this was not the one that was helmed by joss whedon it was joss whedon's script uh came out in 1992 and it starred christy swanson as buffy and Obvious Luke Perry was the obviously not obviously Luke Perry was the love interest in that. Donald Sutherland was the Watcher and Merrick, Rick Howard yes. was and the vampire. Yes, so they changed a lot of the lore from that film to when it became the TV series. But I still think it's solid and interesting to watch on its own. Uh, it is quite different in a lot of ways the way they handle the vampire lore and even some of the Slayer and Watcher oh, stuff. Oh, good God! It's got Paul Rubens in it. <laughs> So I think I'm going to go back and have a little nostalgia watch of that. He had a very small role in The Fifth Element in 1997. Oh, yes, yes. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Very early on in the film. I thought I'd just quickly run through a couple of the other things he's done in his time. Uh, He was on Broadway in 2001 in The Rocky Horror Show. Uh, He played Brad. Of course. (laughs) And he was also in a production of When Harry Met Sally as Harry and Alison Hannigan was Sally. So I thought that was kind of cool. He also appeared um, in Community in an episode. He was kind of appeared as a character in Inspector Space Time, which is their Doctor Who-esque show that exists inside the world of Community. Actually, I haven't seen that episode. And... Of note, in recent times, I actually saw this trailer dropped and I watched it because I've been hanging on any news about this project. He's in 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the new Quentin Tarantino film, which is about 1960s Hollywood and also the Manson murders. And he plays Wayne Maunder, a television actor in that. Oh. I'm not sure how big that role is, but I am very excited about that film. So you can check that trailer out too. Um, yeah, so I think I just wanted to give a little kind of shout out to him and his work. I really loved 90210. I also think that um, he did a great job as Fred Andrews in Riverdale and I'll definitely be going back to watch some of his previous projects. And I think, um, yeah, all of the Riverdale episodes from now on are going to be dedicated to him. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how they're going to handle his death either within the the bounds of the show. So it'll be interesting to see how that's handled. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of my little run-on memoriam of Luke Perry. Hmm. Leaves behind um, two children, Jack Perry, who's a, a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and um, daughter Sophie Perry. It's very sad. He was engaged to be married as well when Had he died. two strokes, according yeah. to this. Oh, yeah. Dear me. Right, okay. Uh, and as, as I was saying, he did a really good job in Jeremiah. He was one of the um, the main characters in mm. that, played one of the mains, and um, he did have stubble in that. <laughs> uh, and he just brought that solid sort of um, um, grounding to that show. So it's very sad to hear that he passed away. Yeah. Okay, um, I want to move on to a... Um, Another Netflix series mm-hmm. that's, that's come out, uh, Love, Death and Robots. <laughs> and this is um, created by David Fincher and also uh, the director of Deadpool, Tim Miller. Yes. Uh, and this has been in the works a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they sort of riffed off um, Heavy Metal, which is the uh, American magazine version of the French sci-fi magazine Metal Hollande, which means Howling Metal, mm-hmm. which came out in the 70s, and then they sort of um, pulled it over to the US and repeated some of the work in, in that, as well as commissioning some original ones, and it went on for a very, very long time after that. I think it's actually still in print to this day. Uh, and they did a film called The Heavy Metal animated movie in 1981 and basically what this new series is is an anthology animated series mm-hmm. there's uh, uh i think 17 uh, i'm sorry 18 episodes yep. none longer than 17 minutes and they're all directed by different directors is that right they are indeed but written by the same man i think no oh no they they are there are two two writers involved two writers. in it, uh, Philip Gillat and also Tim Miller, but a, right. lot, a lot of them are actually, or, or a chunk of them are actually uh, adapted from short stories. Yeah, of course, that's right. Including short stories from the writers like John Scalzi, who's very, very well known for his military science fiction, and the stories that are his are When the Yogurt Took Over, which is exactly what it says, uh, Alternate Histories and Three Robots. Okay. And um, they've also got uh, a story from Michael Swanwick, um, who's a, a very big uh, science fiction and fantasy writer, and a, um, well, stuff like uh, Albert uh, Miglgo, who was the original art director of Into the Spider-Verse. Ah. Um, there's a, a, he directed uh, the story The Witness. Ah, yes. And the woman in that actually resembles a scrap design for... Penny Parker yeah, from yeah. that. So there's a lot of stuff in there that that riffs off through that. And if that sort of doesn't make it apparent enough, like this is an animated anthology, mm-hmm. but it is definitely, I mean, if the David Fincher isn't a clue, and it says in the description it's not 
it's very kind of edgy and not safe for work. Yeah. It's basically how it presents Abs- itself. Absolutely. Uh, you don't want to be watching this on the train. No. Um, <laughs> well, if you've got your, like, privacy hood on or whatever and, it is. And I quite like the idea. I think animation has the ability to do some kind of more edgy and stuff, and I like when it's used for that. Like, I think people pigeonhole animation as an art, as something that's, you know, PG, when it doesn't always have to be. And there are there are actors in doing the voices for these, uh, like Fred uh, Tadaskiel, who is um, well known for um, being Hulk in Avengers Assemble, uh, Sauron in the Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle Earth video game, uh, and he's uh, he does the voice for one of the um, tougher characters in an episode called Sucker of Souls, mm-hmm. uh, and you know like uh, Maurice Lamarche, who was um, the actor who plays. Pinky, uh, sorry, Brain in Pinky and the Brain. Mm. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of voice actors in there. Um, Gary Cole uh, from Babylon 5 Crusade does a voice of uh, the inspector in the episode The Dump. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of other people in there as well in terms of um, writers who've done the stories that have been adapted. Joe R. Lansdale, um, who uh, you may know for um, doing a, a, a novella called Bubba Hotep which got adapted into a, a really great um, uh, Bruce Campbell movie. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of stuff in here. Mar- Marco Clues uh, does military sci-fi. His story got, got turned into Lucky 13. Alistair Reynolds, um, absolute fine, um, hardcore science fiction writer, has uh, contributed a story called Zima Blue, which is based upon his short story, actually called that name. Uh, so there's um, things in here that I just thought were absolutely amazing. Mary Elizabeth Winstead yeah. appears. Yep, in one love episode. her. I watched Scott Pilgrim again last night. And of course, we know her from Brain Dead as well. Yes, Brain Dead and yeah. Cloverfield Lane, and yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a lot in this. So um, it's an anthology. Yep. Lots of directors, so different styles of animation. I mean. A lot of what I've read is that it has a varied uh, quality. What were your thoughts around? Very quality. Um, some of the stories do hit hard. Mm. Uh, some of them don't. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are just good ideas, like synopsis yeah. ideas, and they and they actually work as that. Yeah. So I actually think you do yourself a disservice if you if you binge watch it all at once. Yeah. Um, pick out, you know, just watch, f- I don't know, four episodes at a time. And they are shorts, like they you said. Shorts. They're watch them as shorts before a movie. Yeah. Um, you know, don't just go Bleh, yeah. Watch the whole lot. What I did see too, which I think is kind of the discouraging uh, of the binging, is it's the first time Netflix has experimented with different episode orders. Did you read about that? Um, yeah, some, it's a sort of a regional kind of thing rather than based upon your preferences or anything that, that no, they don't so I, know anyway. Yeah, so I think there's at least four different episode orders and they do a lot of A-B testing on their site. So I think they're interested in how, because it's an anthology, mm. how the order that you might watch the episodes... Um, affects what you think about the show overall. But I also think it's probably um, just an interesting exercise for them in terms of how people, whether with anthologies people generally watch them from start to finish or whether they hop around based on synopses of the different episodes. So I know I thought that was kind of interesting. They're doing a lot of uh, forward-thinking stuff. We'll give you a chance to watch some of them on um, Netflix before we talk any further about that. It's um, called um, Love, Death and Robots. They're they're graphic. They're graphic, yeah. Not safe for work. Nope. Uh, You'll see how you go with them. They're on Netflix now. All right, now we're going to go out with a track from David Bowie and this is uh, Memory of a Free Festival. 
and playing this because in that episode of um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, that we were talking about before, the freshman from season four, this is the, the David Bowie song that's playing in the background as Buffy walks into Giles' apartment because, you know, Ripper is that just that, uh, that rocker from um, old school England. <laughs> so here we go. That's it for today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. And Joe Bernadette coming up next with Astral Glamour. And here we are with Mr Bowie, Memory of a Free Festival. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.